Welcome to an audio teaching from Windsor Park Baptist Church in Auckland, New Zealand. If you would like to look at the message notes or see some questions for reflection that take their lead from today's teaching, head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz and head to the online tab where you'll see services and series and you can download different resources from there. Thanks for joining us and we hope you're encouraged by today's teaching. Hi everybody, great to be speaking with you again. You know, last month, Joe and I celebrated 31 years of marriage. For those that have been married for many years, you know that it gets better every year, right? But this last year has been a little different as a third person has come into our bedroom. You probably want me to explain that a little bit more. Well, at Christmas time, our family randomly draws a name out of a hat and we buy a present for just that one person. No one knows who's buying for who, but on our family WhatsApp chat, we drop little hints of what we'd like up to the budget limit that we set. For last Christmas, 2021, I received what I asked for, a new clock radio that goes next to my bed. It's a modern one though, and it connects to our Wi-Fi network and to my Google account. I can say, hey Google, News Talk ZB, and it connects automatically. Normally to Markish Lush Nights. I, I love Marcus and his long pauses. Anyway. Or I can tell my clock to start a podcast or make me a coffee. Well, maybe not a coffee. For 30 years, the last thing I've usually said before I go to sleep is, Good night, Joe, love you, or something mushy like that, as you do. But this last year, to turn the radio off, I have to say, Good night, Google. And she replies, What time would you like your alarm set? I reply, No alarm, thanks, as my body clock is pretty good. And then she says, Okay, no alarm set, good night, Grant. And I reply, Love you, Google. And then she plays the soothing sound of crickets and cicadas as I enjoy a time of peace and solitude as I drift off to sleep in heavenly peace. My confession is that I found this to be a really peaceful rhythm in a year that I've struggled to find peace in the middle of lots of challenging situations. Being week two of Advent, and as we've lit the candle of peace, I wonder how you find the peace of God in your life. What rhythms do you find useful in your journey of finding the peace that Paul describes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 as passing human understanding? It's supernatural. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but... In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Such a beautiful scripture. How do you dampen the noise around you in a way that enables you to know that despite the challenges and pressures of our lives, that God is still sovereign, and in Him we can still find a peace that enables us to see Him at work in our lives. Today I want to look at some of the earliest scenes of the Advent story that show us that God really wants us to discover the kind of peace that only He can offer. 
because it is a life-transforming experience for us to find that kind of peace. To do that, we need to go slightly further back than the angel Gabriel telling Mary that she is to bear a son, who was Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus' birth story follows John the Baptist's birth story. Months before visiting Mary, the angel Gabriel appeared to the priest Zechariah to announce that Zechariah's wife Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, would bear a son who was to be named John. And John was to be the forerunner to Jesus, to prepare the way of Jesus. So this really is where the Advent story begins. As an aside, John became known as John the Baptist because he called on his followers to go through a ceremony of baptism to demonstrate their repentance for their sins. And Jesus began his public life by submitting himself to John's baptism. So today, as Baptists, that's still a central part of what we're about. Well, let's set the scene. God chooses an incredibly important moment in the career of Zechariah the priest to make his divine move. And here are some facts about this moment. As a priest, Zechariah served in the temple for for two one-week periods a year. Zechariah was a member of one of the 24 divisions in the first century priesthood, one of about 18,000 priests. He was a member of the eighth order, the order of Abijah. Now, a priest only officiated at the sacrifice once in his life, having been selected by Lot, effectively by pulling his name out of a hat. And this was Zechariah's once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, as his name was pulled from one of the 18,000. And the setting is one of the two times in the day where prayers were said, either 9am or 3pm. And it is the exact time of the perpetual offering that you read about in Exodus 29. At this exact specific moment of Zechariah's life, he should have been at the peak of a spiritual high. I mean, this was the moment his his whole priestly life had been waiting for. And we read this in Luke chapter 1, verse 11 to 25. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear your son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. 
when his time of service was completed, he, re- he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now, there are three key verses in this passage worth looking at. Verses 12, 18, and 20. Let me tell you why. As I said, the myriad of factors about this exact moment makes this time of Zechariah's life hugely significant. He should have been so in tune with God at that exact moment. Many of you will know what those moments feel like when we just have an an overwhelming sense of God's gracious hand upon us. Maybe we're in some worship environment or, or some other environment. We know what it's like. But in verse 12, when an angel of the Lord appears, he was startled and gripped with fear. It's just the exact opposite of what Zechariah should have felt, right when he should have been on a, on a spiritual high and right when he probably should have 100% expected God to show up. He doesn't even recognize an angel of the Lord with him. In verse 18, right after the angel of the Lord had explained in great detail why he shouldn't be afraid because God is going to answer his prayers, Zechariah shows the kind of faith that many of us can probably identify with at some stage in our lives. He doubts whether God can do what he says. How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. I can imagine Gabriel's eyes rolling. And even though the angel of of God comprehensively answers everything he needs to hear, Zechariah has no peace in his life that God will come through as he said he would. This is why verse 20 is super challenging. There's really nothing else like it in the rest of the Bible. In response to Zechariah's lack of faith, there is a consequence. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. It's perhaps easy for us to look at this response from the angel of the Lord as as being like a punishment for Zechariah's unbelief. And it's perhaps easy for us to think that this is disproportionately harsh, No voice for the duration of Elizabeth's pregnancy? Really? Is this punishment coming from a God who says it's enough to have faith as small as a mustard seed in Matthew 17, 20? I mean, Zechariah doesn't outright reject the angel's message. He doesn't laugh the way Sarah does when she overhears that she will bear a son in her old age in Genesis 18, 12. Zechariah just asks, How can he be sure that the angel is telling the truth? A fair question to put to any stranger who promises to fulfill the deepest desires of our hearts. So why is Zechariah prevented from speaking for the better part of a year? Perhaps we can see Zechariah's silence not as a punishment, but as a gift. As the child grows in Elizabeth's belly, he is given the gift of time and space to reflect quietly He won't have the ability to talk negatively about God and his ways, crowding out the spirit inside him with his own blathering. Maybe he's being saved from saying stupid things, from bragging about his encounter with the angel, from from broadcasting his skepticism. Perhaps we need to wonder if silence is one of the greatest gifts of being able to see God at work in ways that we would often not see because we crowd him out 
with our incessant talking and overthinking. Perhaps it's true that sometimes it's better to let the silence do the talking. What we see in this story is that in the time of silence, when Zechariah is unable to speak, something extraordinary changes within him. While the scripture doesn't speak about that time, we are still invited to wonder what happened between Zechariah and God over those months. What turned Zechariah from being a person who argued with the angel that he was simply an old man with an old wife to one who, once a long period of silence ended, offers a canticle, a song, proclaiming praise, salvation and freedom. I mean, we see in verse 62 that perhaps Zechariah was deaf as well, something for another time. We read, Then they, Zechariah and Elizabeth's neighbors and relatives, made signs to his father, John's father, Zechariah, to find out what he would like to name the child. He, he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John, verse 64, Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. Zechariah is dynamically transformed. No more doubts, no more fears, no skepticism. Listen to what he sings in verses 68 to 79. He says, sings, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, he says to John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. I mean, wowza! Something dramatic has completely transformed Zechariah's life from doubt to praise. And the transformation happened while he couldn't say anything. Life-changing peace came through being mute. I think there is a lot of truth to the fact that God speaks most clearly to us in moments when we can quieten our voices and our minds and slow down our overthinking, our over-rationalizing, our over-complicating internal and external voices. Silence often makes room for the fullness of God's dynamic and healing power. So how are you going in allowing silence to make room for God to work in your lives? this year. For many of us, finding peace is a tough job. I know that all too well this year. For me, 2022 has been the most difficult year of my 21 years of being a pastor, and I've struggled to find peace in the noise of everything that I've been overthinking, over-rationalizing, and over-complicating. Navigating the start of this year was anything but peaceful. 
Working our way through vaccine mandates was just an unbelievable nightmare and the worst experience of 21 years as a pastor by a long stretch. The emails, the abuse, the people who left our community in a half, even though we did everything we could to find a place for every person. Nothing could prepare me for that. Peace? Yeah, I struggled to find it. And church hasn't been the same this year. And it's been hard to find peace in the challenge of thinking about what the future holds. I've conducted two first anniversary funerals, one for a good friend of ours and one for Joe's brother, who they both passed away suddenly during lockdowns last year. It's been an interesting emotional journey. Finding peace? It's been tricky. And we've had to navigate some difficult personal challenges due to the effects of the economic downturn. As an ex-banker that likes to have a plan, it was tricky to find peace when life didn't turn out according to my plan. And a month ago, we had to let our dog Millie go. I didn't appreciate how much dogs become like another child. I mean, wow, peace was not one of my emotions. <laughs> it's been a year like no other in so many respects. But let me tell you the rhythm that I've been working with that has allowed me to constantly and repetitively give those things and more over to God. The rhythm that has helped and is still helping me. Repeat the, the earlier Philippians 4 passage. It helps me to rejoice in the Lord always so that I am not anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, I have presented my requests to God so that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That rhythm is being lying in bed, not saying anything verbally because I don't want to wake Joe up, listening to the crickets and the cicadas after Miss Google Clock has wished me good night. Some gifts are more prophetic than you might think. This Advent. I wonder if God is inviting us to enter more deeply into times of silence, when silence is probably the hardest thing to find at this time of the year. But in entering silence, we enter more deeply into God's mystery. And like Zechariah, we learn to trust in God's transforming power that takes place in the, the as yet unknown. Rather than questioning the silence God imposed on Zechariah, we might consider adopting a habit of, of quietude, of silence ourselves this Advent. And a season of stimulation, of lights, of music, of dinners, end of years parties. Maybe we need to carve out space to reflect and prepare. In these final weeks before Christmas, maybe we need to find a quiet corner and slow down the Christmas train. Maybe even put our phones down and find a rhythm that opens our hearts to hear what the Spirit might be saying to us. For Zechariah, muteness was imposed. I suggest that many of us are perhaps being called to mute our own voices and our own thoughts. Because with quiet minds and open hearts, we find rest and a peace that passes all human understanding, as Zechariah came to experience. May Zechariah's experience be ours. And may we receive the Advent gift of peace that God so freely wants us to unwrap in our lives this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We thank you for the songs that they both sung that are recorded for us in Scripture that shows the, 
the willingness ultimately that they both had to allow your plans to be revealed in their lives. Father, might we not see Zechariah's muteness as being a punishment, but as a gift, an opportunity that he had over the course of the best part of a year to see your hand at work in his life. And might we have the courage to slow ourselves down, to not be scared of the silence, and to allow you to speak to us in whatever situations we have been facing this year. In the silence, might we trust you? And might we allow the peace that passes all understanding to be ours as we present our prayers and we give to you our concerns? Father, I pray right now for every one of us. And I pray that your spirit would speak to what actions we need to do to slow down and to hear you and to unwrap the gift of peace in our lives. We thank you for the stories of Advent. They're so powerful. We thank you for Zechariah. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining our audio teaching today. If there are ways that we can continue to support you or help you in your journey, please reach out to us. Head to our website, windsorpark.org.nz, and you'll find various ways to contact us. God bless.